Is that where you're headed today? Are you on your way to that beautiful city? My God. If you stop and start thinking about it, it will, it will help you get out of some situations that you might be in. The, the scripture said that the streets are paved with gold. My God. It said there are walls of, of jasper. And when we, when we want to take a walk, we can walk by the crystal sea. My God. That's where I'm going, church. I'm going to a place. And Job said the wicked will cease from trouble. That's enough right there. To stop doing anything you know is wrong. And then my soul will be at rest. Don't you want rest in your life? You can't find it here sometimes. You can go to bed early and still get up tired. But when we get over there, we have rest for our souls. What a blessing today. We bless the name of the Lord today for all his blessings. We thank him for his saving grace. We thank him for his gift, his son, Jesus Christ. And I thank him for calling me into the ministry of the gospel. It's the only reason why I stand before you today. We thank God for our pastor, Pastor Greer, and Sister Greer and your family. We thank God for your service here. And know that it hadn't gone unnoticed to us. We thank God for you, Pastor, and pray for you every day, and Sister Greer. And pray that God will always bless you because you all have truly been a blessing to us. Thank God for the ministers who are here, Brother Alexander and Sister Williams today, and Brother Calvin in the back. God bless you. Thank God for Sister Williams leading us in devotion today. Thank God for the choir and musicians. Happy birthday, Eric. Happy birthday. God bless you. We stand before you today to share from God's Word. We invite you to the Old Testament passage of Scripture today from Genesis chapter 4. It's a familiar story. We're going to look at it afresh today again. Genesis chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 7. When you find it, say amen. Genesis 4 and 1, verse 1, we read, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife. and She conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time her, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And his desire is for you, but you should rule over it. For our New Testament passage of Scripture, we're going to look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. We're going to also read verses 1 through 4. Luke, chapter 21. Verses 1 through 4, when you find it, say amen. Luke chapter 21, verse 1, we read, And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites. And he said, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings. For God... But she, out of her poverty, put in all the, li- all the lively- livelihood that she had. This morning, I want to share with us briefly from the subject, something to offer. Something to offer. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings of another day. For this is the day that the Lord has made, and we rejoice and we're glad about it. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bless us as we share from your eternal word. We pray, O oh God, that this word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that this word we would hide in our hearts, that we might not sin against you. Bless me, O oh servant, today, that I would share your word, Lord, that your people might hear and receive it, Lord, and be blessed. 
Have your way in this service today, Lord. We won't take no honor or credit unto ourselves, but we give all the honor and the glory to you, knowing, Lord, that you are worthy of it all. We ask these blessings in the precious saving name of our Lord and Savior, who is Jesus Christ. And I have your heart said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our subject this morning is something to offer. When we think about the society in which we live, there's so many things to deal with, so many things that are going on. And the more I live, the longer we live, it seems like things get more and more complex. Society has so many issues and so many challenges begin to emerge. When we think about technology, Technology is changing. We think about our environment. Scientists tell us that our environment is changing. We look around at our communities. Our communities are changing. You know, I remember the time when nobody virtually had cell phones. But now it seems like everybody have at least one, and some people have two and three. Technology is changing. And I think about me and my sister. We used to be in high school, and we would come home from the games that we played or Erica ran track, and I played basketball, and my younger sister, she played track, and they were on, many of them, all of my brothers and sisters were on the band except for me. But whenever we would come back from an event, we all rushed to the payphone because nobody had cell phones. And sometimes when people would go out, the parents would give you at least a quarter or a dime so you could make a call from the payphone. Technology is, is constantly changing. And now I know everybody remember the, the iPhone just came out, and it's another technological advance. And you can check email, you can surf the web and get voicemail and do all kinds of things because technology is changing. The subject is something to offer. Our environment is changing. There was a time when uh, environmentalists only worried about recycling, but now we have to worry about global warming. And it's creating fear and anxiety. Also, our communities are changing. There was a time when there was only black and white. But now we have so many different nationalities, and our communities are changing. We're trying to be so politically correct. And with all these changes, it seems that uh, we're competing against one another. And it's created a materialistic society, one where it seems like the things are more important than people. Our, Our value systems have changed so dramatically, and it seems that Materialism and status symbols are more important than life itself. Subject is something to offer. And then it creates a mindset that if I have things, then I'll be happy. If I have a new car, then I'll be happier. If I have, uh, if I have a, a big old house, then I'll be happier. If I have a, a flat screen projection TV, then I'll be happier. But I want to realize today that Jesus said in Luke's gospel, Luke 12, and I believe it was about verse 15, that he said that a man's life does not consist of the things that he possesses. Subject is something to offer. And our young people today have been misled and confused because our society is so materialistically minded. Children today go to school and they see their friends with new shoes and They believe they have to have new shoes. They see their friends with new clothes, and they have to have new clothes. And many times, if they don't have these particular things, they feel like they are not really important. And they begin to lose their value, and they have this this society's mindset has created difficult problems like low self-esteem, a low sense of self-worth, a mindset that says that they can't achieve the things that need to be achieved. So we see suicide and low achievement and no goals in life because young people and people in our society believe they have nothing to really offer. But I stood up today to let you know that all of us are God's children and all of us have something to offer. For the scripture says in in Psalms 100, it says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We ought to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Do you see anything materialistic in that statement, in that passage of scripture? We don't have to bring God our shoes and clothes. We don't have to bring God our houses and lands. God wants us to give ourselves to him. Our subject this morning is something to offer. Let's not get caught up in the things of this society and lose who we really are. We're so special to God. We're so important to God. And God didn't make anybody any more special than anybody else. Because when God made the world, he spoke and there was light. He spoke and the trees came forth. He spoke and there was fish in the sea. But all these things he spoke. But do you realize that God took time to make us? The Bible says that he came and he formed man with his own hand. He formed us of the dust of the ground, and then he breathed into us the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I'll let you, let you know today that all of us are important to God. Psalm says in Psalms chapter 8, the eighth Psalm, beginning at verse 4, that all of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 8 says, O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your hands, we are the work of his hands. My God. When I consider the work of your hands, the heavens, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lord in the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. Do you realize that this is what God has, is thinking about you and me? We are special to him. He is not caught up in this stuff. He's not caught up in these things. God don't need none of our, our money. None of our things. None of the things that we can bring into the house to offer to him. We have something to offer that is our lives, a life that is praiseworthy unto God. That's all he really wants. He don't need these things. As we've gone through the Sunday school lessons the last few weeks, we noticed that the children of Israel were caught up in just the rituals of life. But God wants a broken and a contrite heart. Those are the things that God will not despise. He's not caught up in materialism. God wants us to live our lives for him, to offer our lives in service to him, to be obedient to him. The Bible often plainly tells us what is really important. We have lost sight of what's really important. But I believe Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Talking about something to offer. That's what we have to offer to God. It's not these things. It's not these status symbols. It's offering our lives in service to him. But which leads us to our Old Testament passage of scripture today, which shows us an example that all of us have something to offer. All of us are important to God. And we can live our lives in such a way that God will be pleased with us. Let's look at this Old Testament passage of scripture. In Genesis chapter 4, this is the story of Cain and Abel. And it, it reminds us that all of us, even though we're many, many thousands of years and generations removed, we're still human beings. We're still made in the image and likeness of God. And there are some things that God wants from us, and we can give it to him. And there are three things I want to capture in this message today. I want us to take this and apply it to our lives in such a way that we will always realize that we have something to offer unto God. The first thing in this passage of Scripture is that God takes notice of us. God takes notice of us. Let's look at Genesis 4, verse 1. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, 
And she conceived and bore Cain. And look at what she said. I have acquired a man from the Lord. Do you realize that no matter where you are or what happens in your life, God knows what's going on in your life. God takes notice of your needs and concerns. He's aware of your surroundings. He's aware of what's going on in your life. And here we notice that Eve, who was the the first mother of all living, realized that she had a son and that this son came from God. I believe Proverbs 3 and 6 says that in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. God takes notice of us and the things in our lives. Just like the psalmist said in, in, in Psalms chapter eight, uh, 8 and 4, we are, God is mindful of us. He knows all about us. He knows our needs and he knows our concerns. God takes notice of us. And it says in verse 2 that she bore again this time his brother Abel. See, she was acknowledging that her children, her life, the things that, she, that mattered most came from God. And we need to make note of that in our lives today to make sure that we realize that God knows what's going on. He knows about our needs and concerns, and he's acutely aware of where we are. And we need to acknowledge him, give him credit for the things that happen in our lives, because we have something to offer. And many times as young people, uh, we have these sibling rivalries, and sometimes maybe parents might make one child seem more important than the other. But that's not important to God. God doesn't treat one of us better than the other. As we read this passage of Scripture, and I read it several times, it says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then verse 2 says, Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. And it seems to have to kind of change the context. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And sometimes... Older children get a lot of attention. And then when another child comes, then they might lose some attention. They spend all the time on the second child. And then the baby comes along and it seems like everybody pays attention to the baby. But I want us to know that God loves all of us. He cares about all of us. And sometimes uh, it develops complexes in, in children because they feel like mama loves that child more than me. Or the father loves the son more than me. But I want to know that God loves all of us. He takes notice of all of us. And there's nothing that happens in our lives that God is not aware of. And it may appear that we're not important. But we are important to God. God takes notice of us. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, speaks it even more pointedly. How God noticed even the sparrows of the field. God knows all about us. He takes specific notice of us and our needs and our concerns. Matthew 10, 29 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, for you are more of more value than many sparrows. See, God takes notice of us. He knows all about our needs. He knows all about our concerns. Don't think that just because somebody is on a different side of town that God pays more attention to them. Don't think just because somebody has uh, more talents, more abilities than you, that you're not as important to God. God loves all of us. It's important for us to take notice of that. And uh, you, can, you can hold your head up high knowing that God knows where you are. You can walk proudly no matter where you go because God takes notice of you. God knows everything that's going on in your life. First thing is God takes notice of us. The second thing I want to capture in this message today is that we need to just be ourselves. Just be yourself. There's so many people today who have complexes and who have issues and problems because they try to be like somebody else. So many young people are struggling today because they have identity crisis. They're trying to be popular, trying to fit in. And all they really need to do is just be themselves. Let's look at verse 2 again. It says, she bore again this time his brother Abel. And it says, now Abel was a keeper of sheep. 
But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought forth an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. See, there is something for everybody to do. If you would ask God, what is it that you want me to do in life? God will identify that for you. You can focus on that and you can be good at it. But if we spend all of our lives looking across on the other side of the fence, looking at the other side of the street, looking at what somebody else is doing, we won't spend time doing what God has called us to do. You see this? We see that Abel has something to do and Cain has something to do. Abel was the firstborn. Cain was second. God didn't leave Cain out. He didn't leave Abel out. There was something for both of them to do. And in our lives, we need to realize that God has something for everybody to do. And we see that both of them produce what they were good at. They weren't just sitting out looking around trying to figure out what they needed to do and then were unfruitful about it. Both of them had a purpose in life and they were able to be successful at it. Do you ever ask yourself, why am I here? Do you ever really wonder what your purpose is in life? The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who upbraideth not and and giveth it abundantly. He gives you wisdom to do everything that he made you to do. So why spend time looking at the Joneses when God has something for you to do? Why spend time trying to follow Sally and Sue and Jimmy and Bobby around the school when God has something for you to do? All of us have something to offer. Our subject today is something to offer. As many times when we read this passage of scripture, we kind of miss, we just read through right through that and miss that. But God has something for Abel and Cain to do. And they were both successful at it. Something, we have something to offer. Let's look at Psalm 139. Another uh, validation that God has made us for a purpose. Psalms 139 Reminds us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It says in verse 14, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are you, are your thoughts to me, O God? How great is the sum of them? If I should count them, they will be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Think about that for a while. Think about the fact that God has a purpose for your life. He made you. He created you. You, did, you were not a mistake. You didn't just get, hit, get here by happenstance. But God has a plan for your life. And all you really need to do is be yourself. My life is, is so much better because I realized that I wasn't uh, captive to, about, to the things that other people said about me. I didn't have to be what other people said I had to be. I didn't have to be what God called me to be. And when, when God was calling me to the ministry, the first time I heard God calling me to the ministry, I was just a little boy. And I kind of denied it and ran from it and didn't want it because I was so quiet and introverted. And I didn't think that was something that I should be doing. But when I humbled myself and let God do in me what he wanted to do, I could just be myself. I could go anywhere I want to go and still be me. I could take a trip to the far corners of the world and still be me and be comfortable in my own skin. Just take time and be yourself. Don't let other people try to determine who you are because God made you. We read it in the beginning in, 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 in Psalms 100. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. 
we can be thankful for who we are. I'll never forget one young boy up in Indianapolis. One time we were doing a testimony service. He began to thank God for certain things. He said he thanked God for his mother, thanked God for his sister, thanked God for his aunt. But before he sat down, he said, I thank God for me. And only a child would come up with something like that. But he said, I thank God for me. Do you ever thank God for who you are? Thank God for your life. Thank God for for what he has done in you and what he's beginning to do in you. Just be yourself. As so many people in our society today spend so much time trying to be like other people. And they really miss the calling that God has in their lives. But realize that God has something for you. He has a purpose in your life. And when you begin to walk in the purpose that God wants you to walk in, not only are you a blessing to yourself, but you're a blessing to everybody in society. Just be yourself. You have something to offer. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. Because God has a plan for our lives. He didn't give everybody everything. But he gave something specifically for you to do, something for me to do. And if we do our part, all of us will be blessed. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. But I'm going to begin at verse, verse 7 and 8. It says, but to, te- but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to all of us. So let's look at verse 11. It says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. And to the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body being joined and knit together by what every joint supplieth, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Talking about being yourself, doing what God has called you to do, spending time cultivating the gift that God gave to us. Christ gave gifts to all of us, whether great or small. God has given us something to do in life. We have something to offer. And then when we all start working in our giftedness, it helps the whole body of Christ. We can grow up into that perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you realize that all of us can do all the things that Christ did? If somebody has a gift of healing, somebody has a gift of encouragement, somebody has a gift of administration, we can be the church that God wants us to be. The sick will be healed. People will know their responsibilities. People will not be discouraged and lose faith and, as Pastor Lund said, and fall out of the church. You remember when when Pastor Lund came and talked about falling out of the church? It's because the body is not doing its responsibilities. We aren't being ourselves. We're not taking our role in life. All we have to do is be ourselves. Supper this morning is something to offer. Do you realize that you have something to offer? You have a role to play. You can make a difference in life. Let's go back to Genesis and realize that many times we get caught up in looking at what somebody else does. And it says, beginning in verse 3 again, And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. 
So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? And we see this so many times in life where we see one person doing good. They're successful. They're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. And things are happening for them. And many times we think that they did something that they got some kind of advantage that we don't have. They did something that, that, that somebody gave them something that we couldn't get. And then we're angry at them, not realizing that we're the really only person to really blame. We spend too much time looking at other people. And not enough time looking within ourselves and finding out what God has for our lives. What plan he has for us so that we can be the people that God wants us to be. And we see Cain was looking at Abel. And it says, and Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And the Lord asked him a question and said to Cain, why are you so angry? And why has your countenance fallen? See, Cain couldn't blame Abel, but yet he was angry with him. And it really wasn't Abel's fault. And it's like the old song says. If you take six months to mind your own business and six months to leave other people's business alone, the world will be a better place. But we spend so much time worrying about what somebody else is doing, why they're successful, why they got more than I have. Where really the problem lies within us. God asked Cain the question. I believe God is asking us that same question today. Why you got that look on your face? Why are you walking around with your head down? Why are you upset with everybody? Because the problem is not the people over there. It's the man and the woman in the mirror. Take a few minutes to find out what is it that I need to do so that my life can be better. And we see that it wasn't what Cain brought, but it was the status of his heart that made the difference. But the Bible reminds us that God doesn't look at the, the outward appearance. He don't look at things, but he looks at the measure of your heart. He looks at why we do what we do. Because God don't look on the outward appearance. He don't just look at that. He looks at the heart. And he can see what's going on inside. He knows what motivates us. And he's challenging us today to be people that will love him with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our mind, and all of our strength. Because we all have something to offer. I believe the scripture reminds us that we brought nothing into this world, and surely we will take nothing out. But it's our hearts. And our soul that's going to live for eternity. We have something to offer. So Cain was angry at Abel. Not based on what Abel had done. But because his own gift, his own offering was not acceptable unto God. How are you serving God today? Are you giving God all your heart? Are you serving him with the best of your ability? Because you have something to offer. Notice, Cain didn't have to bring what Abel had to bring. He only was responsible for what he was responsible for. Our subject is, we have something to offer. And our challenge is to give our very best unto God. Just be yourself. Be the person that God wants you to be. And the last thing I want to capture in this message today, the third point is that we can please God. We can please God. Let's look at this again. It says, again, it says, in the, in the process of time, in verse 3, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. See, God was pleased with what Abel brought to him. God was, was willing to accept what Abel had brought to him. 
And so many times in our lives today, there's this this theology out there that nobody can live free from sin. That we're all sinners and nobody can really please God. And it creates a, a mindset that we can only be but so good. We're all slipping and sliding, falling here and there. Nobody can be right. Everybody wrong. But I want to let you know today that we as a people can live to please God. And if we would spend more time instead of looking over there and blaming them and talking about those people and spending time finding out what's wrong with them and spend some time looking at ourselves and looking in the mirror of God's word, we will find out that we can please God. We can do the things that God wants us to do. And I thank God for Abel because it reminds me that there is a man who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or think. If we would apply the word of God to our lives, we are able to please him. If we would do what he tells us, we are able to please him. And this, this, the Bible reminds us in this passage of scripture that Abel's name meant brief, or only a short length of time. And what that lets me know is that God let Abel live long enough to prove to the rest of the world that a man can please God. Stop making excuses. Stop saying, I can't do right. Stop looking at the sin of the world. Stop looking at all your problems. Stop looking at all your issues. And just get your heart right with God. If you get your heart right with God, then your feet will follow. If you get your heart right with God, then your mouth will follow. If you get your heart right with God, your mind will follow. And you can live to please Him. We can live to please God. We can live and obey God. We can do what this great book tells us to do. We can take a little time and please Him. The Bible says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto unto the word of God. Will you read it? Will you study it? Will you take some time and apply it to your life? We can please God. We can do what his word says. We don't have to walk through life wondering whether God likes me or not. We don't have to be afraid every time a thunderstorm rolls through the area. And if we were like that, boy, we'll be in bad shape right now. All the thunderstorms that have been rolling through Houston. But I'm glad to know today that I can live to please God. I can do what God's word says. I can be obedient to him and know that he is happy with the way I'm living. Let's look at Hebrews 11 and 5. For it says that there was a man named Enoch. And Enoch was just a few generations behind Abel. But Enoch lived a life that God was pleased with. Let's look at it. In Hebrews chapter 11. It says in verse 4, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he what? That he pleased God. And that is all I want to capture today is that we can live a life that is pleasing unto God. See, it's not by works. It's not because I got $10,000 and you only got one and I put it in the offering on Sunday. Do you know that some people let everybody know what they did? It's not really about those things. It's about living a life that God can be pleased with. We have something to offer. Let's look at this New Testament passage of Scripture. Because we can see that God is not worried about these things. He's looking at our hearts. Luke 21, verse 1 through 4. It says, and he looked up. 
and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he, and he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. See, God is taking notice, church. He's standing there looking at everybody walking through here. And I want you to know today, you might can hide from Pastor Greer. And you might can hide from Reverend Darius. But you can't hide from God. God is standing by, looking and watching. And he sees everybody that's walking through these houses of God. And he's taking notice. And all he wants us to do is to be ourselves. Do you realize that these rich folk couldn't be the poor woman? And this poor woman certainly couldn't be these rich people. So he said in verse 3, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. See, God knows that, that, that who we are, and he knows exactly what our circumstances are. And he measures us based on our hearts, not on the amount of money we give, not how many times we go to church. But he knows that if, we're in our, if he's in our hearts and we're living a righteous life, that he will be pleased with us. And it says in verse 4, Jesus began to explain this thing to them. He said, for all these, out of their abundance, have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. See, God wants us to love him with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. It's not about trying to outdo somebody else. The old song said, you can't beat God given, no matter how hard you try. So you might as well get your heart right, because if I give out of the depths of my heart, I'll beat you given every time. You can't beat my offering unto the Lord, because I serve the Lord with gladness. I come before his presence with thanksgiving and with singing. Talking about we have something to offer. And if you would give God your all today, whether you're young or old, whether you're rich or poor, whether you live on the east side of Houston, or you live down in, what was it, Erica, on Memorial City and Royal Oaks, I want to tell you today, you have something to offer unto God. Give him thanksgiving. Give God some praise. Live a life worthy of the sacrifice of his son. Jesus came and died on the cross. He laid down in a borrowed tomb. He didn't call the cemetery. Set up his burial rites. But he weighed down in Joseph's new tomb. But early on Sunday morning, he got up with all power so that the rich wouldn't make it and the poor cast aside. Jesus died so you and I could make it. And one day, when this whole war is over, praise the Lord, I don't have to be a millionaire. I don't have to have a million dollars. I don't have to be in a royal family. But all i got to do is know Jesus for myself. Aren't you glad you have something to give to God? Give him your heart. Give him your soul. Give him your mind. Give him your will. Serve the Lord. You got something. I got something. We have something to offer unto God. Give him your all. Let him use you in his service. I pray that you understand this message. You have something to offer unto God. And you can please him. In the way you live your life, let us stand.